Welcome back to another episode of Coffee in Christ without the coffee. Just water. Just water. But today, honestly, would be a good idea for some coffee because it is. me and Dylan are out of the uh, the podcast routine schedule just because things are happening and I'm going places, he's going places. And it's hard to get together and we also had some technical difficulties this week or but, would have been out on Wednesday. But hopefully... Never again. Yeah. No more technical difficulties. That's the hope. Yeah. So we got a new mixer, and uh, I'm trying to think. But uh, it just took us a little while to set it up. Uh, Sunday, uh, approximately like an hour <laughs> after videos, and kind of not knowing what to do, uh, we kind of just kept messing around. We found out. So uh, hopefully, you know, we never, we won't have to buy any more equipment. Now that I'm thinking about it. That'd be nice. Um, I'm just I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think we got all the equipment that we need. Um, so hopefully, we'll never have to miss another episode due to technical difficulties. I'm trying to fix a problem myself over here, but I think I fixed it. Oh, what's going on? Uh, I think it's fine. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, guys, welcome back. Like I said, this is actually being uh, recorded on a Saturday morning. I guess it's 10:22, but. Morning to me. <laughs> so uh, we probably should have had some coffee, but uh, that's okay. It's been perfect. But we're here. And uh, Dylan, tell us a little bit about your week. What's been going on? Uh, it's been a pretty normal week, I guess. Just working. Um, my evenings are consumed with packing things in my house. And mm. this morning I got up and drove to the cabin Got my trailer, drove back to my house, loaded the trailer, and went back to the cabin. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, just moving. And that's about it. Well, that's okay. You know, I'm getting building permits and signing paperwork oh, and yourself, ready to build my house. So, that's exciting, though. And it's pretty fun. You usually get permits for other people at jobs, <laughs> and now you're getting them for yourself. For myself. For yourself. So What's that like? Do you have to... Is there anything special? Is it kind of the same process? Or? You just have to go get a, like a building permit. That way, if... I guess when you go pull future permits, then they'll have everything, like the address and stuff, um, on file. But, already there. But I'm excited. It's really fun. Um, I'm going to be neighbors with one of my greatest friends ever, so that's going to be fun. Um, I'm, I'm very upset, so I got a new couch about a month ago, and my, ha my couch is having to go into a storage unit, and I have lots of anxiety about it, like, lots. You need to get it, like, plastic so or something like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the steps. Yeah. It's a brand new storage facility. Nice. So maybe there won't be little mice. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I'm just very, if there's a hole in that couch... I might have a nervous breakdown. Is there like insurance for that? So, like that, like the storage unit like provides. Like something happens to your no. Uh, well, maybe that's why we need to just get in the storage unit. <laughs> so that's that's creating lots of anxiety. But it is really cool to like drive over there to where the house is going to be and like stand and be like, "This will be my house." Yeah, you get to picture it for sure. Yeah. So I'm excited. It's just you know one of those things. And then uh, last weekend. I got to go to Thompson Station, Tennessee, which there's nothing there. Oh. <laughs> I ran, I was on low fuel, and 
I was very actually worried that I was not going to find a gas station. Oh my! That. But I found a small general store. I'm not kidding. Wow. You can ask Andrea about it. That was like three miles to empty, and I was physically praying to God, give me a gas station. And <laughs> so, and found a little general store. But now I got to go speak for the West Dyersburg Church of Christ at their uh, youth and family retreat, and it was really fun. Went to a place called, um, oh, I can't remember, Deer Run. Deer. It's like a like a camp, essentially. But it was, they had laser tag. Oh, my gosh. And zip lining <laughs> and two pools and a big lake with a big, like, one of those blob things That's where you can jump. It was a really cool place. Laser tag at a campground? No, that's pretty cool. It was really cool. Of course, so, they had the whole place to themselves. Oh, yeah. So that was way cool. But, um, so I did that, and then Friday, um, I'm driving to Florence, Alabama to speak. You know what time I speak? And no, no hate if anybody from Freed's listening to this, but I'll speak till 8.30 p.m. And then I'm going to drive home after I get done. I'm just like, hmm. P.M. 8.30. It's a four and a half hour drive. Is it just like a, it's like a retreat kind mm-hmm. of, or yeah, it's a. And they're speaking at eight thirty. It's a guy's retreat. I guess it's because college, and you know, there's lights out. You know, college doesn't. They don't really have a, a, a set schedule of when to go to bed. Well, let me tell you something, boys. I do. <laughs> and eight thirty, is approximately even on a Friday night, when I am winding down. <laughs> Okay, I was in bed last night at 9.45, and I was thriving. That's what I wanted to do. So I'm not going to get home until like 2 a.m. because I'm going to speak and then get back in my truck and come back. Because, oh <laughs> yeah, next weekend's moving weekend, so, yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's uh, that's going to be really fun. So, but, yeah, that's my week, just work and church and packing. What are you speaking of? I don't know yet. <laughs> the uh, the theme of the retreat is better together. So that's that's really all I got. I'm not I really had time to start working on it, but I will sometime. <laughs> how, how late did you work on the the one that you did Sunday? Oh, I did it the night before. Yeah, I was like, you thrive. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, got home from the Vols game last weekend at midnight and cranked out that lesson. Till approximately 1.30 a.m. And then Jonathan Anderson was like, Dylan, that lesson was amazing. How long did it, does it take you to prepare for that? And I went, approximately till 1 a.m. this morning. <laughs> he was like, well, how much did you have done? I went, nothing. <laughs> so, Well, I would, I'd feel worried if you said, told me that you already had it done. I'd be like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want to, uh, before I turn the mic back over to Jackson, you know, I think as Christians... We should confess our faults, you know, publicly. Okay. And um, I have something that's really been bothering me, and um, I just want you all to pray for me. I want you all to to be thinking of me, because last weekend I had a lapse of judgment. And what really scares me is I don't regret the mistake. That's oh. what scares me. Okay. Um, I'm actually continuing to wear that mistake today. Because last weekend, me and Andrea went to the uh, the shoe store. Oh. And you were worried, weren't you? I was like, what is this going? And um, 
I went for a pair of Vans. Truly. And came out with. Don't 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 rush this. Don't rush. Don't, don't rush this confession. <laughs> what I have on my feet right now is something that I've not worn since the second grade. And it starts with a C and rhymes with rocks. And they would be Crocs. Crocs. I bought a pair of Crocs, and I just want you all to, to forgive me for that. Um, I guess it's just, it's time to uh, not worry about what anybody else thinks. You know, I'm getting to that age that, you know, they're very comfortable. And I have given my father a hard time about Crocs. For, your dad is, like, laughing right now. For many years. He, laughed, he laughed at me last night. Said, does he know? He does know. Oh, my. And uh, made quite the scene. Whenever he figured out that I was wearing said Crocs. Oh. And I, am I going to wear them tonight when I see my entire family? Yes. Absolutely. Am I going to wear them all day today? Yes. It's and I to, love them. Yep. It's time to not be ashamed. I love it. So, I just wanted um, wanted you guys, my, my faithful listeners, to forgive me. But the problem is that I don't regret it. So, if you ain't crocking, you ain't rocking. You ain't rocking. That was beautiful. I'll turn it over to you. That was beautiful. See, from the, the ripe age of like when I could walk to like fourth grade, I pretty much wore Crocs like every day. And they permanently affected my walking. But that's okay. Hashtag worth it. <laughs> but anywho, uh, my week is kind of been the same, you know, working. I feel like I've been more busy at work this week when it's been mild than I have been. When it's a little warmer, so it's kind of weird, but we're thriving. That's all that matters. So, um, on the bright side, Dylan, you match my little nephews. All That's the cute. They will have a little blue pair and a little red pair. That's cute. They call them the shoeies. I don't think um, they know the word for Crocs yet. That's cute. So, you can match them. Does Whitney have a pair? She does. Oh my gosh. She's I bet she's, does she know that you have a pair? Um. I don't know. Oh my gosh, that's going to be a great realization tonight for her. Probably. You're going to rock her world with the Crocs. <laughs> I love that. You just took care of half her wearers. I love <laughs> And so you can match. Please let Whitten wear her Crocs. So I could rock her That'd be so cute. Oh my goodness. All right, woo! Cute as overlook. All right. We're in Proverbs chapter four. We just finished chapter three a while ago. Um, like I said, our schedule has been kind of messed up. Um, we actually didn't do one last week because I was in Knoxville and got back a little later on Wednesday night. So, didn't have time, but here we are. Sorry for the delay. I know you've been anticipating it. But we're starting Chapter 4. Uh, remember Chapter 3, we talked about walking in confidence. And here we're going to get into another uh, one of the speeches to from a father uh, to his son. It doesn't matter. You go. All right. So starting in um, chapter four, it says, Hear, O sons, the father's um, instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father tender, the only one inside of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get inside. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. You go ahead. You start off. So, 
we have in, in the first verse, um, which is something we see in the first two verses, we see this pretty often. We have this, a plea of wisdom, I guess, or a plea to listen to this wisdom. And I'll read that again. It says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you a good doctrine, do not forsake my law. Right? So, previously in Proverbs, you know, Solomon spoke as a father to his son. Right? Um, perhaps with this principal heir in mind. But now, the instruction is shifted or broadened just to his children in general. Right? And so, the instruction of the father to benefit the children. You know, there's so many people that have like a, a wrong connotation of the Bible and, and you know, so many people that just have this mentality of, well, you can't tell me what to do. Well, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is telling you what to do in a sense, um, but people take it so far as to, I, I read a thing the other day or saw a video, I don't remember, and it was like this guy in his truck and it was beeping because he wasn't buckled. And his wife was like, why aren't you buckled? Why don't you buckle your seatbelt? And the guy was like, because I don't like inanimate objects telling me what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. Buckle your seatbelt. It's laughable. <laughs> you know, but, it's, but people, believe it or not, will view Christianity the same way. You know, I don't want a being or a God or the Bible to tell me what to do. And this, what he's shifting to and what Solomon's getting at is this is instruction of a father to benefit somebody. That's all Proverbs is. All Proverbs is is a series of, of excerpts and speeches and all that solely for our benefit. Okay, so this is my favorite. I'm going to read verses 3 um, through 5 again and we'll, we'll talk about that for a second. But it says, when I was a son of my father, tender, the only one inside of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away um, from the words of my mouth. I'm going to keep going just for a second. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. Listen to this, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get get inside. So what, what does that mean? You know, it says the beginning of wisdom is this, and then it has a colon, and then it says get wisdom. Is it a colon or a semicolon? Uh, that's a colon. The semicolon's with the comma. I've always really struggled so. with that. I'm, I'm going to look that up, though, but you keep going. <laughs> I've always struggled with that. But, you know, now Solomon is, you know, and I'll, I'll use this word because that's what the scripture uses, but he's tenderly remembering the lessons that his father taught him, right? And this would be special for any son to remember. You know, I, I like to listen to my dad tell the stories that his dad told him and all that because I wasn't fortunate to spend a lot of time with my um, dad's dad. And so it's just it's fun to listen. But he says, um, when I was my father's son, right? And he's explaining it and talking about you know, recalling his own upbringing, inciting his father, and all these things. But let's talk about verse 7 for just a second. You know, it's saying, get wisdom, right? And not only get wisdom, I don't want to misquote this here, but it says, 
um, and whatever wisdom that you get, get insight. You know, so what does that exactly mean? You know, so before David gave him the actual words of wisdom, he first encountered the pursuit of wisdom in Solomon, right? And we might say that this is even more important than any particular piece of wisdom, or it is the one of early lessons of wisdom. You know, we have to value it, we have to pursue it, we have to sacrifice all these things for wisdom. And it says, get wisdom, but then also understand it. And so that's, I love that because it's very simple. And it's just in the beginning of wisdom is this, get it. And if you get it, make sure you understand it. You know, that's what the Bible's all about. You know, you can read, you know, I, I know there's people that will do the, the daily Bible reading where you can read the entire Bible in a year. I did it twice. And guess what? I learned absolutely nothing. I agree. I've done that once with like certain church. And then I felt like I was just reading it as a chore. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I did. And nobody was telling I, mean, I just wanted to do it. Right. You know, nobody was telling me to do it, but I did it. I think my freshman year of college and then again, maybe last year, I think, where I read it every night before bed and, and all this stuff and I didn't learn anything. I have a wristband. Prove mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. He has an award. I got an award. <laughs> but that's not what the Bible is all about. That's not what Christianity is about. Get wisdom and then understand it or get insight. Right, And so we're, we're, when we read the Bible, we're supposed to comprehend it. We're supposed to understand what it's saying. And even, and let's just be real, and this is my opinion. Maybe you can, but I can't. Reading the Bible in a year is uncomprehensible for me because I just can't learn what I need to learn and understand it by reading it in a year. Yeah. You know, I may take one chapter and I may read it for three weeks because I want to understand what it means. And it may take me that long to understand what it means. Right. And so that's what Solomon is opening up here with with talking. And I'm going to let Jackson and talk more here in a second. But, you know, just getting wisdom, talking about how important it is, and valuing the wisdom while understanding it. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's, uh, I think a lot of generation of Bible readers are more just like kind of glaze over it. They just read it for a chore and they don't. Really read it to like to get what it has to offer to us, and like more importantly, like pertaining here to the Solomon's case, he's kind of like I get it how he's like sympathizing with us. Like in a nutshell, he's telling us to not get derailed. Like you just see it in those first four verses, he's just basically saying don't get derailed with all of these challenges because he knows how we feel. He too was, you know, a son to his father. He remembered his lessons that he taught him. He valued his mother. And then it goes on to say, you know, the only way to obtain this wisdom was through studying, preserving it, and putting in the work to obtain it. You know, and if we follow that same path, it can produce the same in us. But one thing I really wanted to point out, and kind of like still hit on that verse 7, you know, I read it again, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get inside. So that's what my Bible says. I read the, the ESV version, but I like the way the NIV puts it. It says, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. You know, acquiring wisdom should be a priority in our lives. We should want to read the Bible with attention and wanting to preserve it and not just reading it to get a wristband. 
you know, it's gonna re- <laughs> it's gonna require a significant amount of you know effort or or sacrifice, and, and we have to get wisdom. Maybe it comes at the cost of getting away from the wrong crowd or sacrificing some time to study and to really dive into the, what the word has to offer. You know, sometimes it might have to sacrifice putting down your phone or hanging out with your friends or you know fill in the blank with whatever thing or situation takes up most of your time. Because right here, Solomon is emphasizing that wisdom is the foundation of success and a meaning in a meaningful life. You know, Solomon just builds on that, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you and you embrace her. Those were just in the, the verses kind of before. And you know, by embracing wisdom, you can experience benefits and not just you know practical benefits but also honor which is symbolized as what Dylan read a graceful garland and blessings which is symbolized as a beautiful crown all of this can be obtained through wisdom you know by following this path path one can navigate and kind of go through discerning and live a a real meaningful prosperous life and just like that that's the first nine verses and that was only one of the speeches to the Father Son that we're going to cover in this chapter, there's also uh, a fifth speech that's in verses 10 through 19, which I'm going to go ahead and read. So, verse 10. Hear, my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Uh, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of your, of instructions. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless you have made someone stumble. Unless they have made some someone stumble. Excuse me. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of a, of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep and darkness. They do not know they do not know over what they stumble. So this is just real quick the fifth speech from a father to his son. Solomon is saying, just in those first three verses, he hear that living a life in wisdom is like running on a safe road. You know, when you're on a safe road, you don't gotta worry about anything obstacles that may hamper you or cause you to stumble. Then he again emphasizes that value of it on how this is a life that you're wanting to live on. If not, it's a matter of death. You know, if we hold on to her, her being wisdom, then we live or if we don't, then we die. You know, it's just plain and simple. And then verse 14 and 15, he goes on and says, when it comes to the path of the wicked, we do not even need to go close to it because he's, you know, he's warning you now. You're probably, I hate to say it, it's not as strong as you think when it comes to temptation. That's the whole point of temptation. It is really to test you. Now, for example, I love snacks. Literally anything healthy, unhealthy, I'll eat it up. However, if there are no snacks in sight, then I'm not going to go actively sneaky, <laughs> sneaking, seeking out snacks. I have no cravings. Or no, no temptation to do so. But however, I could have just had a five-course meal, huge meal. Think of Thanksgiving Day, super fulfilling. You know, I'm full. I just want to take a nap. 
But if someone pulls out a tasty snack and they offer it to me, I will eat it. Sometimes it's, you know, hard to say no. But, you know, and the same is for sin. You can insert any type of temptation you may have. But that's how easy you can fall into that path of wickedness. So don't enter it. Don't walk. Don't, you know, avoid it. Do not go near this path whatsoever. And then we go to verses 16 and 17. Now, going to the, the book of Micah, Micah says, Woe to those who devise uh, wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. You know, the wicked lie awake, planning wicked deeds. And this corruption is so deep-rooted that they don't just want wealth or possession, but they want someone else to stumble and behave as they do. You know, sin, because these, you know, sin to me is food a lot, of, but to other people it's a lot of other things. Um, and they really try to test and pull you in different directions. And then we get to the last two verses of this, and I'm going to turn over to Dylan. And though the path of wickedness is dark, gloomy, dangerous, and destructive. But the path of righteousness that we've seen so many times now is bright, and not just an ordinary bright. You know, the Hebrew word for bright is naga, which means radiance, light beams, huge. You know, and on wisdom's path, you're free to run, jump and walk in, in confidence, knowing that there is security and, and life in this path. But there's another path, you know, that, you know, this whole book of Proverbs is a choice. And we have the same choice every day of, are we going to choose a path where we can, you know, we can walk up and run and jump in confidence, knowing that God is there as our security. Um, and then there's another path that we often choose, you know, the wicked path that you can expect shadows, dissatisfaction, and, and you know, possibly anxiety or whatever that lies ahead is there to stumble you, to trip you. And that's the choice that we have every day. Thank you, Dylan. You know, in, in verse, <clears throat> we'll go back here just a little bit, um, to kind of the same thing Jackson was just talking about. Um, but in verse 12, um, well, actually, in verse 10, it says, Hear my words and accept, or hear my son and accept my words. So he's not, he just doesn't want you just to listen. He wants you to listen and understand and, and do what he's saying to do. So then in verse 12, it says, When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. You know, back when I used to run long distances, um, I'm not a trail runner because when I run, I don't look at my feet. You know, a lot of people will, really? but I don't. Mm. I've all, I look straight ahead. I don't look down. I don't watch my feet. You know, that's and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. Good. No, I can't remember the last time I ran. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> I don't even on a treadmill. I will not watch my feet because. What made me successful as a long-distance runner was trying to forget what I was doing. You know, and if I'm staring at my feet the entire time, well, then I'm, I know the entire time that I'm running. And my goal is to use that as a tool to allow me to exercise without knowing that I'm exercising. You know, a lot of people think that running just hurts all the time. But if you condition your body... It doesn't hurt anymore. You can just go. You know, it's like you're taking a really slow car ride. That's what I say. Because if you condition yourself enough, running 13 miles or running 26 miles, what everyone thinks is impossible is not. 
because your body, your legs physically don't hurt anymore. That's crazy. You know, but, you know, I don't trail run because I don't watch my feet. And I fall every time. I've tried multiple times. I fall every single time. And so the reason why, you know, I chose to, when I ran my marathons, I chose to drive, you know, eight hours to Myrtle Beach to run the marathon because that road was safe. Because it was flat, which I don't like hills. That That's when your legs start to hurt. <laughs> if you run on flat ground, it won't. But the 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 entire route... You know, there was minimal hills. If there were some, there were rolling hills, and so it wasn't as bad. But I knew I could run that race without looking at my feet. And that's what, that's what essentially, you know, what we're trying to be taught here. He's saying when you, when you walk, you're not going to be hindered. And if you run, you're not going to stumble if you listen and accept the wisdom that he's trying to teach and the understanding, you know, why would you not want to take the path of least resistance? Why would you not want to live a life free of worry, you know, free of pain, and give yourself the confidence of being in, in heaven one day with Jesus, right? And there's so many people in verse 14, you know, um, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. You know, avoid it, do not go on it, turn away from it, and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat bread of wickedness and drink wine of violence. You know, you read that, and you're immediately turned off from it, right? Anybody in their right mind would read this, this section of Scripture and say, well, of course, I would. I don't I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to eat, you know... This, this bread of wickedness. Of course I don't want to do that. <clears throat> but here's the thing. You know, and, and it alludes to this, and I'll read this verse 19 in a second. But you read that, and you're like, why on earth would anybody live a life that way? You know, that's my mentality. And, and again, everybody, I feel like, of their right mind, doesn't want to live a life of wickedness. You know, we're not built that way. We're not built to be wicked, you know, but here's why we do. And I even put myself in this, you know, in verse 19, it says the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. You know, I don't know how many of you guys are like Disney fanatics. I know Jackson is. And I I wouldn't call (laughs) myself like a, a Disney fanatic. I love Disney. But I'm not one that like, you know, watches all the documentaries about it and knows all the secret spots. Like, I'm just not into that. But I like Disney. Like, if any (laughs) any time that somebody like wants me to go to Disney, like, I don't even ask. I'm in. I'll be there. But like, and I love. I don't care how much it is. Doesn't bother me. I'll go. Right. But I'm not like, you know, the person that takes a deep dive. Like my sister, she's that way. Takes a deep dive into Disney. But, I don't know, anybody that's been to Disney, that's been to Magic Kingdom, there's a ride there called Space Mountain, right? Yes. And I love Space Mountain, but you'll never catch me riding Space Mountain with the lights on. It happened one time when we were riding it, and like 
sort of afraid to even put it's your hands It's scary. Like, it's scary. It, it literally, everything is so close. I feel you. Yeah. But I, I say that because, you know, I mean, it's safe, obviously, or they wouldn't, it wouldn't have been running for as long as it has. I don't think anybody's ever died on Space Mountain. I don't know that. But I don't, my grandma even wrote it. But I would never ride that in the light because I, I would see all the things around me that would scare me. And I would understand that my forehead, when I go over this, you know, this crest in the track, is six inches from, you know, a piece of metal that could kill me or whatever, you know, or like when I'm walking to my tree stand, you know, when I'm hunting, I turn, I put AirPods in. Oh, really? Because I don't want to, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anything around me because I'm I'm scared. I don't care. I don't care a bit in the world to say I hate one of my biggest fears is when I dread it. When we go through the first gate of our property and my dad looks at me, which means it's time for me to get off the side by side and walk. I hate it because I just now once the sun comes up, it's fine because then there's light shut on everything. But the moral of this story and what I'm trying to say here is, you know, people would read this and say, I would never live a life of wickedness or or I would never intentionally sin against God. But there's so many people that just live in darkness and they don't really understand what's going on around them. And they don't know that they're not living by the word of God. They don't know that what they're doing is exactly what's being described in verses 14 through 17, right? Because in verse 18, it says, but the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. So like when you're sitting in a tree stand and the sun comes up, you know, all of a sudden, everything's okay. You know, I'm happy again. But all the way up until I get out of the seat of the side-by-side and until the sun comes up, I'm worried because I don't know if there's a bear 20 feet from me. That's true. I don't, know, I don't know if there's a, you know, a coyote or whatever. And I'm, I'm not, you know, too good to say that I'm afraid. But when the sun comes up, everything's better. And that's what, that's what it's like when you choose to live a life of wisdom with Christ. It's like the sun's up and the sun's always up because now you're not going to be perfect, but now you can see what's around you. And now, and that's what gives me security because number one, I have a high powered rifle in my hand and I can see what's around me. And I'll just tell you, ain't nothing going to get up that tree with me because I'll kill it. <laughs> but you're going to squirrel if it tempts me enough. But it's, it's all about living a life of security. That's what being a Christian is about. You know, yes, I want to spend eternity with Jesus. Yes, I want. But ultimately, I want to live the life of least resistance. I want to live that path. I want to be happy. And I want to know that there's more coming for me. You know, because that's what being a Christian is all about. Doing good to the people around you, loving the Lord, and doing that because you're living that life of security. You're living that life of happiness. And... I'm telling you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you're not living, you know, this light or this life of light, right? You're living in a life of darkness. You're living in a life to where you think everything's okay, but when the lights come on, you're going to go, oh man, you know, this is scary. What I'm living is scary. And so that's why it's so important 
to take hold of this wisdom, to understand it, to accept it, and to live in it, right? So I'll turn it back over to Jackson. Okay, perfect, yeah. Uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and we're going to bang out this chapter real quick. So we're going to get into the sixth sixth <laughs> uh, speech from a father to the son, picking up in verse 20 uh, through the end of the chapter. I'm going to go ahead and read it. So my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Every time you hear that in these first kind of nine chapters of Proverbs, just know that is a good indication that there is a new uh, speech that's going to take place. All right, uh, 21. They let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all uh, vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So, I, these first three verses are very encouraging to make you know, wisdom, a vital part of your life. Again, uh, I hope you never get tired of that word because, unfortunately, that is all what Proverbs is about. It's about wisdom. And so, you know, it says, make it a part of your, uh, let me read it one more time. Uh, keep them within, let them not escape from your side. Keep them within your heart, that being wisdom. You know, heart and Proverbs refers to not just the, you know, the beating life source in your chest that makes your whole body run it it refers to the center of of your life you know it's from this place that a person does all of its thinking feeling and, and choosing and taking words of wisdom into the heart is you know the greatest importance they are life because out of the heart flow all the thoughts the words and the choices of a person's life you know from it flow the springs of life. Um, and then you keep going in verse 24. Um, to It says to put away from uh, you crooked speech. You know, to stay on the path of, of the just and the righteous, you know, one kind of has to give attention to what they say. You know, uh, a lot of verses or a lot of translations say deceitful or perverse. You know, words are used to cover these actions and lead one another along the way of wicked and if one could you know watch what they speak you know a wise person's speech does not include elements of you know contrary to what the lord wants you know there's multiple chapters of what we're going to study about how if you're wanting to fulfill or if you're wanting to obtain this wisdom um, then that is you know first the fear of the lord and then that is meaning that you're loving what God loves and despising what he despises. And so that's a kind of what else he's reassuring here on what we should do. And then, you know what, I think I'm not going to get into any more of it because I think it works great with what you're going to say. So, well, it says, let your eyes look directly forward. I feel like you're going to tie it into your running again. So I'm going to let you go ahead and close it out. <laughs> well, I'm actually, um, I'm going to skip to... But verse 23, that's where I'm going to start. And it says, keep your heart 
um, with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. You know, why bring up your heart? You know, because physically our heart gives us life. Uh, mine, not so well. But if you're still she does, she does her best. You know, I have a bad heart. If anybody wanted to know, um, but keeping your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs life, right? But is that talking about necessarily here physical life? And if we keep our heart with Christ, then out of it is going to flow true amazing life right if we keep our heart guarded against the wickedness you know because and this is this is not my words but i like it it says there is great reward to the one who guards their heart keeping it for wisdom um they enjoy life flowing from their heart like a pleasant and bountiful water spring excuse me um the unguarded unguarded heart she's a choking or restriction to the joys and the plentifulness of life. You know, there's so many people that, you know, they just stay miserable. And if you're comprehending the, the words that we're saying, and you're and even talking about, you know, in season one, I'm talking about and looking at Jesus from a time of birth all the way to his crucifixion. You know, how can we live a life of sadness? You know, I love my life, but I don't love my life because of the physical world. You know, there's so many challenges and there's a lot of stress and there's so many things that, you know, will get you down, I guess. But what it's saying here is if your heart is diligently seeking Christ and diligently seeking the wisdom, then you're not going to have a restriction to the joy of life. You know, life is meant to be, though it's hard sometimes, it is meant to be happy. It's meant to be joyous. It's meant to be plentiful. You're supposed to honestly love life, you know. And even though I don't, I'm not in the best mood every single day, you know, I'm not smiling all the time because there is things that happen in life that, that really make you struggle. But I know deep down every single day that I'm living a life of joy. Because I'm trying, and not perfectly, but trying to understand this wisdom, trying to, to put it into my everyday life and, you know, trust the Lord, right? So then we keep going on here and just put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Um, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you ponder the path of your feet. And then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Let your foot, or turn your foot away from evil. So I am going to tie that in because that's why I even brought it up. But, you know, the reason why that I don't look down at my feet is because if I do, I can't run in a straight line. And I don't know why, um, but I, I don't run in a straight path. Or if I'm mowing, you know, I love, I'm a yard fanatic, and I like to, to put the diagonal stripes and the checkerboard pattern into my grass. And, oh, so and it looks great. That's harder, <laughs> that's harder to do than it what you great. actually think. Like, my dad, it's hilarious because he gets so mad because he says his yard will just not stripe. 
He said, they just won't do it. And then I go mow. <laughs> and he's like, how did you do that? And I tried to explain it to him, and he just can't, he can't comprehend. Oh, okay. He can't do it, you know. And it's not hard, but it, I would definitely say it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But, you know, a lot of people, if what you, I'm not going to go into the whole instruction on how to do it. <laughs> okay, I really want to, but I won't. But a lot of people will look at the front tire of the lawnmower and stare at it the entire time to make sure it doesn't move and doesn't falter and go to the left or to the right. Well, for some reason, if I stare at it, then I will go to the left and to the right because I'm so focused on that that I miss everything else, right? And so I stare directly forward when I'm, even when I'm cutting a, a pattern into a yard. And if I just look up and don't think about it, then I'll go straight. And, and again, that's how my eyes work and my mind works. And it's the same premise that when I run. That if I look down the entire time, the number one, I'm not going to be running in a straight line because I'm so focused on running a straight line that I can't do it. But also one of the biggest things and reasons as to why is because you miss everything. If you, if you look down your entire life, you've missed everything. You know, if you look down while you're running, no matter if it's a marathon or a 5K or a mile, then you're going to miss something, right? And that's what it's saying here. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. And I, th I truly think it says that because if you're living a life of wisdom and you have that understanding and you have that trust that God's going to take care of you, you can look directly forward, not get lost in the weeds, not stare at your feet the whole time, and understand that God's got your back. And if you're running with your eyes directly forward, you know, you're pointed towards the finish line all the time. And that's that's the whole premise of, you know, running a race and forgetting that you're actually running. Because I'm telling you, if you start off a race staring at your feet and thinking in your head the entire time, you know, I've got to run a straight line. I, I can't turn my ankle. I can't, you know, this hurts. This, I'm not going to finish. Then you won't if you have that mentality. You know, I'm a big guy. And a lot of people can look at me and say, you know, you can't. There's no way you can run five miles. Eh, yeah, there is. I do it all the time. Well, not as much now because I don't like it. But, <laughs> but you, I can do it, and I have done it. But when you start the fin and when you start the across the start line, if you keep your eyes up, number one, you're not missing anything. But number two, you're pointing towards the finish line the entire time. And that's what your mind is focused on. Not, not how much it hurts. Not the current struggle that you have. It's looking forward, looking ahead, experiencing the joy of what you're doing, and keeping your eyes peeled for the finish line. And that's what it takes as a Christian. If we take all this in, and, and the wisdom, and the example of Jesus, and what is trying to be taught to us, even in Proverbs here, of the wisdom and the trust and the, you know, all these things, and you keep your eyes up, then you're not focused on the current struggle. You're not focused on, you know, as it says in 27, swerving to the, the right or to the left, and your feet getting tangled up in evil. You're pointing towards the finish line. You're pointing towards the joy and the plentifulness of life in Christ. Because you don't get joy and plentifulness in a life outside of Christ. But if you're in Christ, you do. 
and you don't have to worry about the stuff that's going around going on around you. You keep your nose pointed towards the finish line. So we hope you have a great week. That wraps up Proverbs chapter four. What? So uh, keep your eyes peeled towards the finish line. Absolutely. Keep your head up, and we love you. More importantly, God loves you. So anything else from our counterpart across the table? Nothing else. Have a great week, everyone. Maybe we'll see you Wednesday. Hopefully so. (laughs)